the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I say to you, as you witness to people at work, family, and they, uh, they're opposed to you and they, they think you ought to go to some kind of deprogrammer to get your brain scrambled the right way, unscrambled, uh, endure hardship. Take this to heart. Take this for you. Be sober. You're not out to win a popularity contest. Endure hardship. That's just the way it is. And, and you can't use uh, some kind of psychological manipulation to talk yourself out of it. That's the way it is. When you confront people with the truth, they're not going to like you. Author and revivalist Vance Havner pointed out that at the Nicene Council, an important church meeting in the 4th century A.D., of the 318 delegates attending, fewer than 12 had not lost an eye, lost a hand, or did not limp on a leg lamed by torture for the Christian faith. So, hey... If we catch a little verbal flack for sharing the gospel, we got off easy. Throughout history, and around the world even today, telling someone about Jesus is a good way to get killed. Jesus told his disciples that the world hates him, and therefore it will hate us as his heralds. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying 2 Timothy chapter 4 and Paul's command to Timothy to preach the word and to do so even when met with resistance and hostility. That's our mandate, too. Paul said that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Often, though, sinners don't want to be reconciled to God, so we should not be surprised or discouraged when people react negatively to the good news. Unless the Holy Spirit makes a change in us, we will not want to hear about our sin and need for a Savior. We'll want to hear that we're doing just fine. We'll be inclined to pay attention to anyone who will tell us what we want to hear. So we see people believing all kinds of crazy myths, but not the truth of our need for God's provision. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 4 and listen as Pastor Steve concludes this three-part message about the urgency of preaching the Word. I know people were into speculations, and their big thing is on UFOs and things like that, and is there life on other planets and all. And they get off on that kind of stuff. And they, they, they debate theological issues that they can never arrive at a conclusion about. And, and uh, speculative myths, fables. 1 Timothy 1.14 speaks about the people leaning in that direction at the beginning of Paul's letters to Timothy. Now, Paul says, it's going to end up where they will not only lean in that direction, they're going to fall in that direction, and that's where they're going to stay. They're going to love speculative myths. They'll turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, in light of this coming situation, what should we do? Should we be silent? Say, listen, why bother speaking? This is the way it's going to turn out. God is sovereign. What difference does it make? Should I retreat? Let me just focus on the remnants. Let me not get involved with the church. And, and you know, many people have done this. 
There are many parachurch organizations that have started because men and, and women got fed up with the local church dealing with people like this. You know that? Parachurch organizations are, are non-local church organizations, and we're not saying that they're, they're, uh, they're all wrong, but we are saying that some have started them because men just couldn't put up with the church anymore. They didn't want to be uh, patient, and they didn't want to be instructive, and they didn't want to have pastoral care. And when you have pastoral care, you take care of the lambs as well as the sheep, and uh, you take care of some goats as well. So they start their own organization. They figure that they're going to have the cream of the crop, and, and uh, they don't have anything to do with the local church. They're not involved in a local church. They're just going to speak to those who want to hear. That's not reality. That is not reality. What should we do? Well, Paul tells Timothy in verse 5 what he should do, and by way of application, what we should do in a church setting where people don't even want to hear. They won't want to hear. What should we do? Verse 5, it's four quick commands in light of ministering God's word to a people who won't want it. But you be sober in all things. Timothy, but you, in contrast to the fickle multitude who, yes, will stop listening to you someday, you be sober. Uh, initially, this word meant don't be drunk. Don't be intoxicated. But obviously, it doesn't mean that Timothy's not to go around drunk. That's rather obvious. He means be clear-minded. Be stable. Be sober-minded. Have some stability. In other words, be a steady proclaimer. That's the context. Be a steady proclaimer. Don't waver. Don't be intoxicated and lose your sense of what is really going on. Don't get caught up with giving people sensational messages. That's what the myth teachers were doing. Giving people what they wanted to hear. Did you know that in this genealogy that there's this story about, the, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yes, it's there. That's what he's saying. Don't get into sensational messages. Don't, uh, don't lose your balance. Don't lose your perspective. Don't join the fickle crowd. And, and don't just grab any new uh, theology. And don't, they'll gravitate to you. You be stable. You don't be intoxicated with that kind of thinking. You're to remain sane and steady and stable in preaching the word of God. Do you understand what he means? What he means is there is a great tendency when you know that this is what people want, that people want certain messages to give that to them. All of us struggle with that. Nobody likes to tell people things that they don't want to hear. I struggle with that. I've had to deal with... Uh, with people on, on issues, it seems like my whole life is confronting people with things that they don't want to hear. And uh, I, I don't like doing that. Nobody does. And there's always a struggle inside of saying, why don't I just tell them they want to hear? Why don't I just tell them what makes them feel good? I, I don't like all this confrontation. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, look, you could be a very popular preacher if you lose your sense of perspective and you, and you tell people what they want to hear. And you and I have to really face that. Especially someone in my position where it's a public ministry, uh, I know I can be very popular. Tickle people's ears, tell them what they want to hear. Very popular. I, I know how we could double attendance in a matter of just a few months. It's really quite simple to do. But you've got to be sober. And when you're sober, you preach the word. You don't preach things that people will gravitate to. You see, a, a large church and a large attendance doesn't mean that it's a spiritual place. It doesn't mean that it's not a spiritual place either, but it doesn't mean that it's a mark of spirituality. 
So we need to be sure that we're not overwhelmed and, and we don't lose our sense of perspective and appeal to people with popular messages that they want to hear. A person can become very wealthy in a public ministry and very well known if he just tells people the things that they want to hear. So that's what he means when he says, but you be sober. Don't go for that kind of stuff. Don't lose your, don't become drunk with that kind of thinking. You'll lose your sense of balance. You'll, you, you completely lose the perspective. And people who do that, and there, are, there are preachers who have copped out for that kind of stuff. The glamour of television, the glamour of radio, the glamour of seeing their names and books, magazine articles, and, and they're on talk shows, and they really become drunk and have missed out on what God has called them to do. He gives another command here in light of the fact that people will turn away. Not only be sober in all things, but endure hardship. In other words, by preaching the truth, people will persecute you, but you must be prepared for this and you must be persistent. Endure hardship. Don't give it up. Because if you give up hardship, it means usually that you're not preaching the truth. Let's look at uh, John 16, verse 2. John chapter 16, verse 2. This is the night before Jesus was crucified. It's part of the farewell discourse. He is telling his men what they can expect. And he says uh, that they'll, in chapter 15, they're going to persecute you. They're going to hate you because they hated me, but they can't get at me, so they're going to get at you. And then he says in verse 1, these things I've spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. In other words, when, when all this starts happening, you're not going to say... Uh, I don't understand. I, I thought this, this uh, church age stuff was a piece of cake. What's going on? You'll understand. I predicted it. Verse 2, they will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. In other words, religious people are going to be your worst enemies. And that's true, isn't it? Hasn't it been that uh, the worst enemies of the church historically have been religious leaders, religious people? Endure hardship. That's what he's saying in, in John 15, John 16. Understand when it comes, I predicted it, endure it, see it through, it's, it's inevitable. Be persistent, Timothy. Endure hardship. Yes, you could, you could compromise. Yes, you don't have to endure hardship if you don't want to proclaim the truth. Just tell them what they want to hear, but you endure hardship. And I say to you, as you witness to people at work, family, and they, uh, they're opposed to you, and they, they think you ought to go to some kind of deprogrammer to get your brain scrambled the right way, unscrambled. Uh, endure hardship. Take this to heart. Take this for you. Be sober. You're not out to win a popularity contest. Endure hardship. That's just the way it is. And, and you can't use uh, some kind of psychological manipulation to talk yourself out of it. That's the way it is. When you confront people with the truth, they're not going to like you. And I've told you this before. I had a delightful conversation on an airplane one time with, uh, with a woman until we started speaking about spiritual things. It was delightful up to that point. And I had to really make this decision. Well, am I going to tell her the truth and have her not like me the rest of the way? this airplane, or uh, am I going to sit here and smile and, and uh, take it all in and have her like me? Well, I decided that uh, it really didn't matter if she liked me and I was going to tell the truth. And uh, she was cordial, but cool after that. 
endure hardship. That just, it just goes with the territory. That's part of it. All that will desire to live godly in Christ Jesus must endure hardship, Paul said. It's a call not to compromise. When the truth becomes unpopular, Timothy needs to be willing to endure hardship. That just goes with the territory. By the way, something very exciting. You might wonder, well, whatever happened to Timothy? Would you turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13? Timothy did endure hardship. We believe that uh, the end of, of Hebrews, probably written after 2 Timothy, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23. Fascinating. The writer says this, Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I shall see you. Timothy has been in prison. We don't know the circumstances surrounding this. We don't know the details. But the writer says that Timothy went to prison. He was released. He was released. Timothy did take these words to heart. Timothy did endure hardship. Timothy did make it. Timothy did remain sober. Then he says in chapter 4, not only endure hardship, be sober, but do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of an evangelist? It means to proclaim the good news of salvation to the lost. Now, that's not Timothy's primary ministry. He's dealing with the church. But the thought is this, Timothy, don't forget that while you're teaching the church God's word, to also announce the gospel. Why? Because there are unsaved people in the church. And they need to hear the gospel. And we need to remember that. I need to remember that. That while I'm feeding you, I need to make sure that we don't forget that there are unsaved people here. You don't know who comes on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings. And you see, there's an urgency here because they won't always listen and they need salvation. They won't always be here. They won't always want to hear the truth. See, this is what drives missionaries, not the only thing, but this is what drives missionaries to the, to the field foreign field. Unsaved people will listen now. In a few years, that country may be closed. And people have gone to the field because they have a great burden now and they want to get in there before it's too late. They might be hardened eventually and they'll say, no, you can't come. And then finally, Paul says, fulfill your ministry. Timothy was to complete the ministry. Fulfill means to complete, to accomplish. Fulfill your ministry. Do And finish what God has assigned for you. How important this is. I think Timothy probably thought, listen, it's going to get so rough, I might as well just go AWOL. I might might as well abandon my calling. And Paul is saying, don't abandon it. Even if they don't listen, you preach the word. Even if no one listens to you, you preach the word. It's just another reminder to be faithful. Do you understand that? Even if people dislike you, even if your Sunday school dwindles, to just you and your wife. Preach the word. Be faithful. Fulfill what God has called you to do. That's so important. Even if a lot of people don't listen to you, you be faithful. You know, Ezekiel was given a remarkable uh, commission. In Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3, God says, Ezekiel, son of man, I want you to proclaim the truth. Ezekiel, no one's going to listen. No one's going to care. You do it anyway. You, you eat my words. You digest it. No one's, no one's interested. Same commission was given to Isaiah. They're not going to care, Isaiah. I mean, there are heroes today, but they were not heroes back then. But Isaiah, you be faithful. Ezekiel, you be faithful. You fulfill your ministry. 
in whatever sphere God has called you to minister the word of God, whether it be your family, whether it be a Sunday school class, a flock, a Bible study, a discipleship ministry, just determine what God wants you to do. And even if you're not the most popular person, do it. People are fickle. That's not your concern. Your concern is to be faithful. Remember Jesus was preaching in John chapter 6, and he was talking to the uh, Galilean Jews. He was talking about commitment, and he's talking about you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he, he really was just referring to commitment. You assimilate me. You commit yourself to me. And uh, there were scores of people who started out hearing what he had to say. At the end of chapter 6, they abandoned him. There were just the 11 left there, 12. And he said to Peter, are, are you going to Actually, he said to all of them, are you going to go? And Peter, who I told you was the mouthpiece for the apostles, said, Lord, where would we go? To whom would we go? You see, people are fickle. And Jesus didn't say, well, there's only a few left. Why should I bother with them? Why should I, why should I bother? No, no. And Jesus knew that one of them was a demon anyway. That was Judas Iscariot. He just ministered the word, faithful, fulfill your ministry. What has God called you to do in terms of the word of God? Fulfill it. Complete it. The hour we live in is an urgent one. Never be lulled into sleep because of your view of the sovereignty of God. I've just completed a, a, a chapter in the, in the series, in the magazine Israel, My Glory, on the sovereignty of God and election. I believe it with all my heart. But we still don't avoid this text. Preach the word of God with urgency. I don't understand it. I don't reconcile it. I just believe it. The time is almost upon us when the professing church will refuse to hear anything from God's word. You mark my words, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. They'll refuse to hear God's word. So the point is, preach it now. Witness to your family now. I'm not saying be, be insensitive, but don't put it off to some time where you think eventually it'll get better. It probably won't. But ask God for an open door and an open opportunity and speak now, because people tend to harden their hearts towards the gospel, not soften them. Tirelessly give yourself over to proclaiming the word of God. There is a saying, and I really forget who said it, but uh, some famous preacher years ago said this, I preach as never sure to preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. Now that's good. I preach as never sure to preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. But according to 2 Timothy, let's change that. We preach as never sure they'll listen again, a living word to dying men. We preach as never sure they'll listen again, a living word to dying men. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction because the time is coming and even has arrived now where they will not listen. So let's use the time wisely. Let's bow for prayer. It may be that you don't know Christ. It may be that someone needs to proclaim the gospel to you. It's very possible you've been in church many years and you still have never made a commitment to Christ. You perhaps have all the head knowledge you believe, but have you ever trusted him with a submissive heart, a submissive will? That's what salvation is. I invite you to come to Christ, to submit yourself to him, to yield to him, to surrender to him. You've never done that. This is the time.
And if you have done that, then there is an urgency to effectively proclaim the word of God. Don't think you have a whole lot of time. The time is, is now. Because there is an audience, and people will listen. And in America, while it's getting worse, people still will listen to some degree. Don't waste these years. I don't know how old you are, but I believe your attitude should be, I want every day to count for God's glory. You see, you may not have tomorrow. We're not promised 36 years. We're not promised one day. It's all God's grace. You don't know how much time you have. You need to be faithfully proclaiming the word of God now. Don't be rude. Don't be pushy. Don't be obnoxious. Look for open doors. But open your mouth. And don't think that you're a good witness by not saying anything. Yes, we have to have a life that backs up what we say. But there has to be an opportunity. There has to be a time in which you open your mouth and explain what the gospel is. They won't figure it out by your life. You must open your mouth. I exhort you to do that in obedience to the Word of God. Father, thank you for these truths. Lord, the time is limited. It's limited for Timothy and it's limited for us. And I pray as a church you'll help us to use every opportunity within the, the bounds of Scripture, common sense, to proclaim the Word of God to be faithful to it, to be sober, to not be caught up into this pleasure-seeking world. They want everything, everyone to feel good and, and be happy, and no one's talking about being holy. and No one's talking about pleasing you and honoring you. Father, we pray that in years to come, you will help us at Lakeside to just be faithful, to preach the word, because the time is limited. We thank you for this church. We thank you for these dear folks who, who are so faithful to come week after week to, to soak in the scriptures, take notes, get the tapes, to listen to them, to get the word out to other people, to discuss it amongst themselves, to feed on these truths. Lord, and what a special church this is. May we be a people who always hunger for the word. And may we be a people, Lord, who want the word, who who want our ears boxed and not tickled, who want to be hurt before we're helped, who are are not afraid to be confronted with sin and and allow the scrutinizing eyes of Scripture to deal with them, to penetrate their hearts and to reveal the intents and the motives of the hearts. And sure, those things hurt. But that's how we're conformed to your image. We recognize our sin, we confess it, We repent, we move on, we deal with it, we stumble, we get up, we move on again, we fall again, we get up. Lord, that's the Christian life. Just a series of new beginnings. And so I pray as a church, you'll help us, Lord, to always be hungry for the word. And I pray for us as individuals that you'll help us in our own sphere and arena of life to be faithful in proclaiming the word of God, even though there are hardships even though there are people who don't want to listen, even though there are people who dislike us for what we stand for, you like us. More than that, you love us. And I pray that you'll help us to be faithful in proclaiming the Word of God regardless of the cost or consequences. For this we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Help us, Lord, to love your word so much that it becomes an integral part of us and flows from us in all our activities and conversations. It was wonderful to have you here today for another Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It's a great place to go if you love accurate and practical Bible teaching, and you'll get a warm welcome as well. You can find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Call the office for service times at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. That's also the number to call if you'd like to have a free CD with Pastor Steve's entire message. Ask for message 6217, The Urgency of the Hour, Part 1. The number again is 727-441-1714. Or you can listen to today's broadcast again at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Not just today's, but any of the previous programs as well. That's versebyverseradio.org. That's also a good place to go if you'd like to make a gift to help support Verse by Verse. We're grateful for all the people who underwrite these Bible classes of the air. I'm Jerry Peterson. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will have some thoughts to share about passing on the mantle. Paul was in prison. He expected to die there. And he expected Timothy to continue in Ephesus the work that Paul had begun. That concept has always been an important one. As the leaders of our own church's age and move on to be with Jesus, who will take their places? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.